The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. end of the week and it's time to close with a song here to help me out returning to the show author musician and like just a walking super talented person prez maxon oh, thanks for having me back i'm so pumped to be here i'm so pumped to be back very good you were walking super talented person now a rolling one uh, yeah this is this is too much praise i'm not used to this this much praise so well it ends here All right. put it back yeah okay. uh so yeah it's been a bit been a, uh, been a little while a lot of guests in between stuff here and there you did take part in a promo video again later on the my super bowl special yeah and i would encourage any listener to go back and listen to what was the episode the the day of the jackal episode yes there was, you go i don't remember the number yeah, it was in the single digits up. though i think it was yeah. in the single digits yeah it was early and I, and i'm i'm proud of it you know and no. you you're you, looking for we can watch. That's yeah. the one. You you were also part of like one of the biggest things ever on the show with the ironic video that hit. I I was ultra proud of that. I'm proud of you <laughs> for your performance in that. I mean, that was that was top notch promo video making. I could I that that's like like I was like, did I did I peak already with with that? Like it was just it went to it went really well. Your cover was great. I heard it like more times than I'd like to that day. Like I made so let, let's go behind the scenes there before we get to the video because end of week and it's a music video and so let's reflect on the music video stuff throughout the year. But I made a CD for my car, which I no longer have that car. So no ironic too. Well, when you broke an axle by running over one of the versions <laughs> of yourself, yeah, that's true. That happened. You couldn't keep the car. But I made a CD with like ten tracks, or no, like it was like twenty tracks of your song. Wow. Like you sent me it, I ripped the audio and I just had it so I could just have it to lip sync to while I was in the car and wow. over and over. And then I found set times where it needed to be. And then it ended up like my, my wife would drive the car and my daughter was shooting me wow. in the back and stuff. It was a, it was a day, but believe it or not, the edit, not that bad. No, I think that, what do you mean not that bad? No, it's no, to do. It didn't take me as long as I imagined. Oh, I oh, granted, well, I, I was up till the middle of the night because I was just anxious to get it together yeah. or eager to get it together. But it went smooth. Like, I don't know how that happened, but it went really smooth, the edit. But that one, I got some, possibly my best feedback from a promo video. A lot of them got good feedback. There was some that got really good. That was like tops like i had someone oh, tell nice. me they they watched it like 10 times that weekend oh my god and so. you you saw alanis live recently i did go see see i i see i have truly fan like i did not wow. yeah i went and saw her i went and saw her live and funny enough it'll rel- that show will relate to what we're talking about today a little bit okay. too let's dive in i'm ready i'm well, ready no, I, I just talk about these 
So I brought I brought you on here, Press, because during the music video discussion, you said you hated music videos. So if I'm going to bring someone back for the end of the year, beginning of the next music video, it's you. So you you Thanks. dug that up right there. Like I hate music videos. So I brought you back for a, for another round. Okay. This week, let's be the guy. But before before anyone makes a snap opinion about me, can I just explain that for one yeah, second? Go for it. Go for it. Okay. Uh, it's true. I, I hate most music videos. It's not the concept of the music video that I dislike. I think, you know, when you go back to the most primitive music videos, when acts like the Beatles or, you know, Beach Boys or the Stones or Jackson 5 or somebody is like filming themselves performing and sending it to the Ed Sullivan show so that they don't have to travel to be there. I think there's a lot of charm in those type of early promotional videos, which evolved in the music videos. But I just, I, I feel like it's so many are made that it's hard to find ones that I like that feel ultra creative, that have a relevant tie between what you're seeing to what you're hearing in the song. And that's why I personally like tend to prefer ones that is just a shot of the, the band or the artist just oh, okay. rocking it out on their tune, you know, like, cause I feel like that's a cool representation of you get to see them doing the song. It's when they get a plot line in there that all of a sudden now you have a whole bunch more fail points. Like your story might distract from the strength of the song or vice versa. Like what you're doing could be really visually cool, but like, it doesn't really match the song. And so, I mean, I'm all for music videos, like the way OK Go does them. When you see an OK Go music video, you feel like you're watching something, like you're seeing something happen that that if you saw it in real life, you'd be like, wow. If it's a music video of a rock song and the guy is sitting on his couch singing, like dreaming about a girl, about how he's down and out. It's like, I'm not really, I don't feel like I'm seeing anything. Why can't, why can't I just watch him perform it? You know, or I think, well, no, the famous cliche in the, uh, in country music is it's just like go in a barn and film your band playing it in the barn. Right. It's kind of like, like, well, why, you know, why couldn't it be on stage in front of like bring the energy of the audience right into it or something like I, I'm pretty opinionated on it because I have a lot of, you know, investment in music and everything. And, and I have investment in visual arts, but uh, I, I'm going to say something bold right now. That's probably a hot take. I might regret later, but the nineties are a dark, dark black hole of terrible music videos. Oh, this is great. I, it's the show, the show has battled between people saying the 80s, people saying the 90s. It's just a well, it's a back and forth. Well, there are gems in each decade, right? Like right. it's hard to look at Aha's take on me and see anything other than a brilliant piece of art. Yeah. Well, then there's like overdone stuff like in like I'll go the 90s, Bush's Greedy Fly, which is mm. Like thinks it's a David Fincher thing. It gets all like what? Like what? What am I watching? Um, but and there's another type that I mention a lot on here, but I haven't picked any of them for this show because there's just not a lot of substance to them to talk about. But there's like the um, the mall uh, clothing store music videos where it's like just band performing, but with like stylish like black and white or like you know like right. like I point to the garbage video for Paranoid uh, as being like one of the pinnacle ones where it's just like you only can imagine it while you're trying on clothes at like the buckle or something That's like funny. that. Yeah. But there's those ones that feel like they were made for a mall clothing store. Funny. And that's yeah. it. 
Well, you know what? I really, and we can we can move on here, but I I really feel like in terms of '90s ones that I love that got it sort of right. Like the some of the ones like, well, I don't want to like really rip on anybody because I do. I just love '90s music. Right. Um, but I one that really sticks out to me is Counting Crows, Mr. Jones. Because okay. I, I haven't watched it in like a decade, probably, but I think it's just them rocking out on the song. There's the in song. a room, kind of. Yeah, there's, there's a little bit right. of stuff, but. But I mean, I remember the moment where I was, the moment I first saw it. I'd never heard the song before. I I remember watching it and thinking, like, gosh, are these guys real? Like, is that guy real, Adam Duritz? And if and and I know this is, I know we're going out audio here, but if the visual ever gets released, he's like flopping his shoulders. Oh, there's the a visual coming. Oh, the visual. Yeah, visual will be and, on Friday. And I remember. I watched that. I saw it babysitting because my family didn't have MTV. The family we babysat for did. I saw him and I was just like, who is that guy? I remember thinking like that guy is kind of awesome. You know, it's like he was didn't care that the camera was there, was performing his song the way he was feeling it. Mm -hmm. And and it was cool. Not to mention the song was a complete jam. I mean, like the, I, the first time I heard it, I thought it was like a time machine from the 60s, like one part Dylan, one part Van Morrison, like all kind of rolled mm. into this guy with dreads who was like just like emoting. And I remember thinking like, man, why like why isn't every music video people just jamming out to their songs? Well, anyway, that, that album argues to be one of the best of that decade, too. I so. mean, 100 percent. That thing is. Yeah, total mess. I haven't got to Counting Crows yet. That's yeah. I've, se I've oh. seen them quite a few times. In yeah. concert, it's one of my. Well, well, call me when you do. Let's. All right. Rose someday. Yeah. Here we go. Okay, but today's music video comes from Smashing Pumpkins. It's tonight. Tonight. It was the fourth single from the phenomenon that was Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, which also featured Bullet with Butterfly Wings, 1979, Zero, Muzzle, and 33. Uh, the Smashing Pumpkins' only album to top the Billboard 200. It received seven Grammy nations. Grammy nominations, including Album of the Year, was nominated for nine VMA awards, this video, and eight of them, those nine nominations, were for Tonight Tonight. I mean, is it safe to say that this was, like, their pinnacle piece of artwork? Oh, yeah, know? this is... That, that well, album. So, I mean, so, I'm talking about the album, but, oh. yeah, this is, like, this is the era where Smashing Pumpkins... That was it to ever get any better for them? Uh, no, I, no. Um, th I mean, they make good music after, but this is the yeah. apex. This is it. Yeah. This album was like you never imagined any of the alternative bands getting this big. Like, this is, I mean, is it gonna be blasphemous for me to say like there's biggest Nirvana at the time of this album? Like, this thing, because yeah, yeah, and I know a lot of. Well their brethren musicians didn't get along or like them too much. I mean, this was nominated for like a boatload of, granted it won one of those Grammy nominations, <laughs> but yeah. best hard rock performance. That's all it won. Uh, lost well, like, gonna win for something. At least it's not like, I mean, it was up for album you know, of the year, record of the year, alternative yeah. album. Like, but it's, at least it's not like best written liner notes or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that I, like, I will say I looked I looked yeah. over all the categories nominees. It looked like it was for the alternative radio. Mm -hmm. It looked like it was a spread in the wealth kind of year for those bands. Mm -hmm. Cuz mm -hmm. a lot of names you're like, "Oh, oh, well, they lost to that." Okay, okay. And it's like, right. "Oh, that's where that band got their Grammy, all that stuff." Uh the VMAs, it took home 6 of those. So, mm -hmm. it, I mean, it won video of the year. Um did not win viewer's choice. 
but yeah so th- yeah this is huge this is like so this album drops it's big tonight tonight makes it bigger this video makes yeah. it humongous and then jimmy chamberlain ods on tour with the keyboardist the keyboardist dies they kicked Jimmy Chamberlain out. It's all over the news. It is like the story because they are the biggest band on the planet. In this I didn't time. follow them. I don't remember that. Oh, That's gosh. Crazy. And they do that. They replace him and they go much more into electronica in the next album. Mm. And their audience is just not there. It's lost. It's uh, yeah. Adore, which is a fine album, but nobody was ready for it at the time. Mm-hmm. A lot of bands wanted to go into electronica in the mid to late 90s. They were like, that's the next thing because techno was coming in. And they're like, we got to incorporate that in our rock. One band does it successfully. Uh, Radiohead at the time yeah. does it and is successful with it at the time. There's a lot of albums that have been looked back upon that failed. They're like, oh, those were pretty good. But at yeah. the time, only Radiohead sold well and was reviewed well for jumping mm. to Electronica. But Smash, okay, so Smashing Pumpkins was like my first like favorite band of like my generation of era. Like I, they were my first concert, which you mentioned the Alanis concert, Garbage Open for Alanis, Garbage Open for Smashing Pumpkins at my first concert. So I guess technically the first band I've seen a concert is Garbage. Wow. But um, I saw Smash. They canceled. I was in the tour where Jimmy Chamberlain had the OD issue, and they had to postpone the dates of my show. Matt Walker from Filter covered the drums for Smashing Pumpkins. Does Butch Vig still play drums for Garbage? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, that's he was the. I'm pretty sure he was the original drummer in Garbage, and he's mm-hmm. the you know to bring it back. He he's a producer of Nirvana. Never mm-hmm. mind. You know, I'm. I think I have that right that he was from garbage. I'd be curious to know. Yeah. Anyway, so, so no, uh, their, their first concert. Crazy. It was a funny story. I went with my my friend Jenna, and her mother took us and sat with us while we were at the show. So I'm like, what did she think of that? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but yeah. I, I, not to use the word adore, I guess pun intended. But um, <laughs> I, I love their music. I wore this album out. The second disc was my favorite of the two, the blue one, uh, the one with 1979 and 33 on it. Um, I had a zero shirt. Yeah, I and I would say to this day, it's a, a absolute favorite album of mine. A couple of their albums are favorites of mine, including they had one a few years ago called Oceana, which was pretty damn good. I, I gotta like- say, I think, you're, I think you're inspiring me to, to, to listen. Here's the deal. I I lived through this era right alongside mm-hmm. you. I mean, this these are my prime years yeah. of music discovery. I mean, I uh, yeah, I would think I was in sixth grade when Pearl Jam and Nirvana like hit big the first time. Mm-hmm. Of course, like in high school, that's when all like the singer songwriter rock really hit. Um, and I remember uh, picking up this album, uh, the one we're talking about. Um, you know, the Pumpkins album, Melancholy. What is it? The Infinite Sadness. Yep. And and I remember just being like, I just didn't get into it a ton. I was in a, I was in several rock bands in high school, and we did uh, today, which was like yeah. pretty from Siamese Dream, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think I picked up this album, and I just like it didn't resonate with me. But then not a lot did back then. Oh, it's a lot uh, too. It's two. It's a double album, yeah. and that was yeah, yeah, heard of especially from the remember, alternative crowd. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So, uh, so I, I gotta admit, I rewatched this. Mm-hmm. Let, let's, I, I rewatched this several times in preparation for this discussion. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised by a couple things. I mean, I, I, I guess I've always sort of had respect for the, for the music. I mean, even if, if it's music I didn't love or didn't listen to or didn't like, I, I can always pick out stuff that impresses me. And, and I did. I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and name drop it here. But I, I've met Billy Corgan. Mm-hmm. In, in, and this is the, the most loosest sense of meeting somebody there were zero words exchanged i tried to exchange words and he yeah. said nothing but uh we were backstage at a motley crew concert oh cool yeah yeah and i saw him in the hallway and i was with i was with buddies from my high school rock band mm-hmm. um and uh and and one of my buddies was like dude check it out that's like billy corgan talking to a member of 311 so i was like so i just went up and i was i was like hey guys like uh, you know, you know, big fan of of like the Pumpkins and of course Three Eleven and the guy from Three Eleven. I don't remember his name or I don't remember who he was because I'm not a Three Eleven fan either. But he was like, "Oh, thanks, man. It's really cool." And I remember I looked, I just looked at Billy Corgan, and we're both from the Chicago land area. Yeah. We're both like, you know, we had that, and I was like, "I'm from Chicago, also," and whatever. And he just like, and he just looked at me, and that was it. Like this is an age before people are like in their cell phones, so it's yeah. not like he was distracted. He just looked at me and that was it. And I was like, okay. It's like in Dumb and Dumber when he's like, okay, see you later, fellas. <laughs> and I took off. And, uh, and I remember, I remember like my best friend at the time who I was with, he was just like, smooth, dude. Like, good one. Um, but uh, but I this week I, I've I deep dived this song and this music video. And here's all I got to say about it. We can talk. I'm just going to give you my like two sentence thing. I, on paper, I should hate this music video. I know what I like. <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's artistic, right? It's got a story. Like, it's like, nope. I mean, I know what I like. Yeah. But on paper, I should hate it. And I don't, I love it. Actually, I think I love it. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's funny. You said you met Bill, um, Nate, uh, Medavari, who does the theme for this show. Um, he has done the album covers for like the last two or three Smashing Pumpkins albums. Oh, shit. Funny enough. Yeah. So he, Billy Corgan does talk to him back, I guess. Billy Corgan doesn't talk to me. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's done that. Um, um yeah. Well, and, and here's when I say I should hate it. This is just me being sort of like a jaded lifelong musician, but it's like, it's an, it's, it's a song from the nineties. I didn't necessarily connect with at the time. Uh, there's a lyrical thing going on in the song that I don't love. I tend like when I, I have this experience from writing songs myself, I tend, I, I don't like to, to waste opportunities with words. Like I feel like uh, a lot of times, um, you hear a songwriter fill up, fill up space in the song with like, Hey, Hey, Hey's or, Oh, mm-hmm. oh, 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 like where they're, they're making sounds, but not saying words. And, uh, or they're repeating phrases that don't really have a melodic purpose. And you think they could be using that space to like drive home another, just incredible line, mm-hmm. but they don't do it. Like in this song, in this case, you've got Billy Corgan just saying like, believe, believe, believe. And you're like, you're like, I, I'm not, it's not even like a, 
a huge hook when he's like, just like cranking away on that or tonight, Mm -hmm. tonight, tonight, it's not even like a super huge hook. Um, Like, could we use that space to do something else? So from a songwriter angle, I I don't like love that. And then I think where this music video gets me the first time is we were talking about this right before this started, but I do love the original like films of uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, Georges Méliès, Georges Mm -hmm. Méliès. And and I remember the first time I watched this this week, refreshed my, my, my memory. I was like, are, are we equating this piece of artwork from the 90s with this like gorgeous, influential piece of artwork from like the 1900s, 1910s? You know, I think it was mm-hmm. like 1904, 05, somewhere in there. But that then when I really started diving and thinking about it, that's where I changed my own mind, mm-hmm. where I was like, the story that the song is telling is ultra abstract you know i mean like on the scale between country music which is not abstract on the scale between country music which is not abstract it's like they just tell a story they say the characters Mm -hmm. names they say what's going on like all the way on the scale to like ultra contemporary music that has crazy time signatures no lyrics and like free jazz basically like this i think this is actually closer like away from closer to something more abstract. The lyrics don't like super make perfect sense. If you read them top to bottom, mm-hmm. they're not telling a story about Jane and John Doe from point A to point B. They kind of get, they, they touch on universal feelings in very simple phrases. And as an ad writer on my day job, like that, I'm attracted to that. I think, yeah. I think that's what you want to do. You want to find simple phrases that resonate with a lot of people. Believe. And that's what this song does. Exactly. Believe. Everyone wants to believe. Yeah. Right. And uh, like there are little bits of advice tucked in there. And then you look back at these old stories that Georges Méliès or whoever was talking about, and, or like not talking about, but presenting to the world, these like abstract stories of like going to other worlds and meeting other life forms and and his version of special effects i thought actually this creative method of presenting the song actually matches really well to the lyrical presentation that billy corgan's put together that's abstract but universally understood that's exactly what those old films are like and i sort of don't mind the band isn't jamming out to their song they're sort of part in the story. They're mm-hmm. dressed like they're in the story, but they're just kind of like walking and talking. And in the end, like I remember I watched it for the first time again, like a couple nights ago when I was prepping for this. And my first my first feeling was like, boy, I feel like I should hate this, but I don't. I gotta, I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> I love it. You know, like, yeah. Uh, so so I I think I'm all in. Yeah, I am. I am. I'm into it. Uh, let me ask you. I know that you're the the host here, or whatever. But like, what? Um, how often would you say through the years you've seen this music video? Have you revisited it? Like, or is this something that you make a point to watch every year? <laughs> uh, I do have a DVD that's Smashing Pumpkins the videos. It's all their music videos. Uh, but I haven't popped that in in ten years. But so this- wait, are you telling me? Are you telling me that? Brandon 4K HD, UHD, has a DVD. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no. uh, 
they haven't mm-hmm. upgraded it to Blu-ray. So right, uh, what, but what gives, man? they um, this video I don't know, but I could have not watched it for this and been able to talk about it fine because of course I saw it when this came out. It was really popular and it was on all the time. Like if you wanted to try to get me turned off from Smashing Pumpkins, MTV was damn well trying. Like and yeah. the song, the song was played heavily too, but it was the video. And this is like it's weird to think like we remember when we remember like all the Smashing Pumpkins songs, like does this one come up as like the ones we remember, like Euro, be like, "Oh, today, oh, oh bullet with butterfly wings, zero, 1970. And then you're like, "Oh, yeah, there was tonight, tonight." But that I was think- like the most played one. That was the yeah. biggest one. And the one of the things too, when when this video came out, I was like, "What is this song on the album?" I was skipping it to get to zero. It was like this. It was the opener wow. of the album. There was like a piano open. And it led to this, and then it was like zero was like a track or two after that, and I would just get to the heavy stuff. Um, oh. And I would, and I so when it first first came to video, I was like, "What? This is on my album?" And I went back, like, "Oh yeah, I I go right to zero when I started." So then I started just starting that album. Um, but but it took me by surprise. Uh, you know, when I'm so, a teen, I'm an angsty teen. I'm what the what are the rock and stuff. So. Right. Like, I don't, I, I hate to say it. So I, as you know, as I've, as I've established, I'm not like, I was not a like born and bred pumpkins fan. Yeah. I think, I think today, 1979 mm-hmm. and tonight, tonight would have been the only ones I could have listed. Well, you know, like, my, I, don't, I, don't even, I couldn't even hum zero. I don't, I don't uh, know zero. I don't think. My favorite one on the album is 33. It was the single that followed this. Interesting. Um, really softer one, but it's really just really good um and it's got a cool video that's uh stop motiony uh but they they also had this weird like song called muzzle that was like a single they didn't make a video for it it just i don't know it's just one of those radio promotional things like well it's been a couple months we need to put another one on there we don't have anything prepared but um this one i just yeah that video played so much. it was the t- it was the tlc waterfalls of alternative radio where yeah. You couldn't avoid it. It was like, well, Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. That was unavoidable, but that one passed the torch to this. Like you just could not, and it was a huge success. I, I mean, they pushed this thing, and this one. This is the video that resembles the cover art for the album the most, too. Um, um not by yeah, in, not well, intentionally, but they throw stuff in there to make it go look. I, 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 I feel. I- I think I feel that. You know what my favorite Smashing Pumpkins song is? Uh, okay. Honestly, by Zwan. Oh, that's fair. Zwan was a good. It was like it was. Zwan was basically like, I don't want to be solo. I'm Smashing Pumpkins still, but I don't. I want to leave that behind. Like he he tried all this stuff throughout the OOS to finally land back on. Well, whatever band I have behind me is just called the Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> right. That's what right. he did, and then. He came back with an album that had like a handful of really good ones on there, but the Zwan album was better than it. Honestly, it was a really damn good song. I loved Honestly. I thought, I, yeah, I, I feel like. And wherever I mean, he goes, like, Jimmy Chamberlain followed because, oh, really? Billy, because Billy, his weakest instrument's the drums. And Jimmy oh, Tr- right. Chamberlain's a hell of a drummer. So there's, yeah. there's word that Siamese Dream is all Billy Corgan. And Jimmy Chamberlain. 
I mean, there's a lot of a lot of artists do that. I feel like. Um, well, the first Foo Fighters I mean, album was all Dave Grohl. Exactly, the and then the color and the shape was Dave Grohl playing drums and everything. I think except bass. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. If Pat but I mean, he would record right over. But this is. He would record over Darcy and James Eha. Like that was yeah, yeah. that was what he was no, doing. Yeah. And I will yeah. say one thing, like I went and saw Smashing Pumpkins uh when they did that tour a couple of years ago, their big you know, that we can play big venues tour because we're gonna play what you want to hear type tour. Right, right. Um it's just weird to me. There was a reunion tour. They didn't bring Darcy back. She was the first to to leave like leave. She had and- she she had drug problems and stuff, but when I the image of Smashing Pumpkins has her in it for me. And I'm not saying like, oh, the guy the guy they got to replace her is a better bass player. Yes. But just like aesthetically, there's an aesthetic they have between Billy, Jimmy, James, and they, they just all look like they were made to like sit in a picture together. And she has a look that when I think of Smashing Pumpkins, I do picture her. And it's really bizarre that their live show there's a lot of background imagery and images of like women that look like Darcy weird. really fucked up, really weird. Like I was watching, I'm like, what the, f-? like she must be like of a type that is amused to him or something like that. But she was supposed to be back on that tour and he just went without her. But James Eha coming back was a big step too. Cause they got a big falling out, but yeah, she's here for tonight, tonight. And what? I mean, I was gonna say at least, at least, at least some of them are back. I mean, yeah. I mean, everybody, I, I but know. yeah, everybody but her is back. But that's between that's all their thing. Yeah, they, they can figure. I it mean, out. I would actually rather see a band do that than what the Black Crows have just done. And I don't mind being on record about this. I hope Chris and Rich Robinson watch this, hear this podcast, and hear me say. The guys, it's bullshit. Steve Gorman's not playing drums. That, like, you know, your best lineup, Mark Ford's not playing lead guitar. I realize there's drama there. But to go out and say, hey, I'm the Black Crows and have it just be a bunch of new hires plus the Robinson brothers, I mean, I'm sure it sounds awesome because those new hires are ultra pros, but it's Mm -hmm. like that's not the vibe we're going for. And which is why in like the pumpkins, I feel like I'm with you. I feel like Darcy is like a, like when I think back to my high school days, like she's a vital member of that band. When I think of a picture mm-hmm. of what the Smashing Pumpkins look like, she's in it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it, granted, it has always been Billy Corgan's brainchild. Um, so there's that. I mean, it's not like, like I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I've, I've said this for a long time, but if, if Steve Perry's not singing, it's not, you're seeing, you're not seeing Journey. That's just, I get they put on a good show. They have guys that sound like them, but that no, they I, they I, were against I'm the music you. that made the band, except for the keyboardist, was against the music that made them popular. Didn't think it would work and fought him like all those steps away, only to cash in on it. Right. When yeah. So. Fun fact. Another another. Hollywood fun fact. I I was in the studio audience at Ellen when oh. Journey featuring the new yeah. singer made their television debut. Oh, okay. And it was the kind of thing like, and when you YouTube that performance, you can see me for like a hot second because I was the only person in the audience. There was like less than 10% of 
but it was male. Mm-hmm. And there was only like two of us who were pumped about Journey. Like all the other, <laughs> all the other moms are like, they don't care. But I'm like, separate ways. Heck yeah. You know, like that was I my was, karaoke was so song in college. Was separate ways. Well, I was in the pep band in college and separate ways was like uh, one of like my buddy and I was like, I was, I played bass and, and my buddy played drums and like, that was like our jam, like where we really got to rock out. And then the, the pep band at the university of Iowa circa turn of the century was mm-hmm. lit. lit. The lights did not we- go down in that city. Oh, hell no, they did not. Um, if anything, they got so bright, they exploded in a brilliant shower of sparks every night. Anyway, no, but, but we're getting off topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this, I, I recommend Tonight Tonight. Yeah, so I do. The video, the video is directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris, who would go on to direct know. Little Miss Sunshine and Ruby Sparks, Battle of the Sexes, and that Paul Rudd TV show, Living With Yourself. Uh, yeah. Produced Decline of Western Civilization uh, Part Two: The Metal Years, and they have music videos for uh, they did Extremes More Than Words, uh, and Wholehearted. Uh, they did Paul Abdul Straight Up. They did uh, they had worked with Smashing Pumpkins before this with the video for Rocket. Uh, they worked with REM, Janet Jackson, Scott Weiland, Oasis, Weezer. Uh, they did Corn's Freak on a Leash, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. They did all the California case videos but scar tissue and the by by the way videos so they big time i mean talk about apex of chili peppers like that i feel yeah. like what you just you just listed like a bunch of apexes of a lot of different acts that they just like, well, the like chili peppers, californication that was like the return like because they were pretty like blood sugar sex magic one hot minute right? did well for them it wasn't it was different, but then when they brought Fushani back, without, that was without Fushani, right? Yeah, and when Fushani uh, came back, then they were like, "Oh!" And then they went huge uh, again. They where- blew up with Californication. I saw them live on that tour because uh, uh, Foo Fighters opened for them, mm. and um, and that was a tour. I mean, we're we're getting really off topic here, but that was a tour where, in hindsight, Anthony Anthony Kiedis wasn't clean anymore. Like he'd been oh. like. He'd been completely sober for like six years or something, all through blood sugar sex magic, and then you know relapsed uh, with heroin on the like around the Californication years. And the whole idea, I remember going to see them, thinking like, "Wow, they finally found their way. They've like kicked their habits, you know, whatever." Only to find out later, you read his biography, like his biography, scar tissue is actually one of the awesomest rock and roll reads mm. for biographies but uh he and he is a fabulous writer um and uh and you go back and you think just like oh my gosh i saw them I, for me californication was the apex i i thought i mean i loved 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 that album uh by the way i was only like half in on i did see them later on the by the way tour also and they i like they the zephyr song awesome. that was cool oh zephyr zephyr song is awesome can't uh can't stop Don't oh yeah stop. that was on there okay that one was super great they lost me at stadium arcadium um which was i think the one after their double their album double speaking album. of double albums yep that's when they lost me but at, at the same time i remember thinking back then like like this is it like this is like such a uh like a you know a a moment for them and uh uh i mean you could you could very much say that it was their 
you know, uh, melancholy and the infinite sadness moment, you know, <laughs> like true. And, and so now, now I'm thinking about it. I'm going back there. And like, I, I remember thinking the chili, uh, the, the food fighters were opening for the chili peppers. I remember thinking like they were great, but who could have predicted back then that Foo fighters would be legitimately the biggest rock band in the world 20 years later. Now. Right. Yeah. It was just a fun little side project. Exactly. That's exactly. what it seemed like. It was like, oh, that's cool. He's got a band. They're fun. And now they're like probably the best known rock band from their era. A hundred percent. I mean, and and it's partially because there just aren't a ton of rock bands anymore who are well, the, like relevant. The 90s, the bands of the 90s barely lasted. We're left with like a handful that are still on that aren't like oh we're back oh we took we took a break or we yeah. got back together like a handful yeah. that have been consistent since then you have you have the foo fighters you have pearl jam you have dave matthews band yeah. you have counting crows uh you have radiohead i mean fish took a break like there's yeah. they, they don't count um it's not i mean it's hard to say though I mean, Pearl Jam, I love Pearl Jam. They're probably my favorite from the era, still going. And they've got their own thing going on. But it's hard to say, like, Counting Crows have found a way to keep themselves, like, relevant. I mean, when people go to a Counting Crows show, they're not going to hear the latest album. That's the difference between them and Pearl Jam fans. Pearl Jam fans, they have their people. Like, Pearl Jam has their people. They know how to like make music for them. And like, I don't think anyone, I don't think Pearl Jam is getting any like brand new fans, but they have a really dedicated fan base. Like Counting Crows feels like I love them. I love them, but it does not feel like they're pushing forward the way Pearl Jam is. Food Fighters like has found a way to remain like awesome and continually put out a video that goes viral or continually like, like have a like they make like, all the right moves and you never thought right. of them you yep. never thought they would have been the one to do that exactly exactly they were as goofy thinking, as green day back then like it was mm-hmm. like nah. yeah and the fact that like dave Grohl was in every tenacious d video was like yeah. or you know it was kind of like that must be what they're about but i remember thinking in the 90s one of my friends asked me like who is the next legend like the next rock and roll legend. I remember saying like, well, Celine Dion is going to probably, I remember thinking at the time, this is early two thousands. So we're, we're fresh off Titanic and all that stuff. I remember thinking like Celine Dion is going to probably be like a next Madonna type, not in like the sense that she's provocative, but in the sense that like, she's going to always like, she's going to be a legend to her audience. Always pull reinvent herself. There's always, yeah. Right. And she's going to always pull some like massive, like arena style crowd. And then, and then I, my second answer was like the red hot chili peppers. I was like, they're, I was like, they're super creative. They're going to like constantly find ways to reinvent themselves. They're going to like, I think we're going to be like inducting them into the rock and roll hall of fame, which, which happened, Mm -hmm. but smashing pumpkins, it never occurred to me that they'd, that 20 years ago, 20 years later, I'd see a music video there in Tonight Tonight and think, this is timeless. This is rad, you know? <laughs> right. Um, well, and that's what I found myself saying this weekend yeah. when I was watching the video. Well, to, to relate it to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, there was three concepts for this video that were pitched. And the one they wanted was a Busby Berkeley uh, style video 
uh, people like diving into champagne glasses or something. But Red Hot Chili Peppers Aeroplane had right very similar video, so they ixnade that. Uh, the uh, the other one would have uh, it was a band that would play on a surreal stage, and the camera would go into like an audience member's eye, and they would see their vision of what the song was. Interesting. But they went with this so, one. So do you know? I know you said who directed this. Yeah. Who was was the director driving like the creative direction overall? Like what? Where were the? Was this vision coming from the director? Was it coming from the band? I bet. I bet was, you had three creative groups pitching. I, I would yeah, imagine right. there was that, and they usually come up. They usually do the videos before the album launches. A lot of the times, you or at least their first three singles, if they have videos. Right. So, well, this, this might have been after because this was single number four. But zero bullet with butterfly wings in 1979 would have been in the can before they hit the road before the album dropped. Interesting. So I would imagine that. Um, but there is also notable so the the stars of this music video Tom Kenny and Jill Talley the the couple in this that this follows that they they fight with the yep. umbrellas smash right Mr. right from Mr. Show they at the time um they were two of the stars hey. of Mr. Show and huh. he is the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants she's Karen on SpongeBob SquarePants they are two of the biggest voice actors for animation you could find on the planet uh when i lived in Los Angeles my roommate did all their computer IT stuff for them. So wow. he was around them a lot. Um, um, they like had him on speed dial all the time and their kids would prank call him. And stuff. I think I realized. Yeah. But yeah. this was, this was during when they were on Mr. Show. This is a big deal. Like, and just kind of interesting. Uh, they, they would be, you know, SpongeBob was right here. Pre SpongeBob. And right. Wow. I don't think I realized that. I mean, the, the only Mr. Show I'm really familiar with is Wicked Scepter. And if mm. you're not familiar with that, listeners, you need to, <laughs> to, to Google that. that. Brandy, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Wicked Scepter? Yeah. I mean, but I don't think I realized, yeah, that those voice actors had had so many, uh, had so many like credits on their resume that were impressive, let alone your friend who did the computer work. I mean, yeah. that's top notch. That's top notch. <laughs> but yeah, like everything in this video, like they had to have finished editing this and be like, this is stu-. Like they had to know they had something good at the end of Like yeah. the costuming nail. And the funny thing is, the costuming they wanted, there was no costuming for this period available at the time because James Cameron was shooting Titanic and had wiped out all right. the apartments wow. across town Everything. with period. So they had to like fake come up with, with what they could period designs. And it's just marvelous. Like you have to know you have something magical with this. And like, this is going to connect with people. This is going to be huge. Like you had to have known it, or this is going to be a notable music video in the history of music videos. Like I don't, I just see it. Like if I would have made this, I'd been like, yeah, there's no way this fails. Like sometimes you create something and you're like, yeah, this is, this is good. You know, they had to have known this was good. Right yeah. then. There's other videos that were good, but yeah, roll the dice. You know, like 1979, that could have been a yawn, but that was a great, like, Pumpkins made some great videos. Like that 1979 one, probably not in your wheelhouse. I dig it with the kids going out, partying. I don't even remember what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. It just follows some kids in the 70s. I wouldn't say it's not in my wheelhouse. I mean, okay. I mean like, you know what's you know what's crazy about 90s music? And this is my thing with Pearl Jam, because I liked Pearl Jam back then. I was in a band that played tons of, not tons, but played some Pearl Jam. But like I 
don't think I was musically mature enough to understand why Pearl Jam, Smashing Pumpkins, Nirvana was like good. Uh, I mean, I, I understood music, at least I, what I thought I understood of music in the 90s. I mean, but I was a teenager. I was still just like trying to. Yeah. So well, I mean, some to, like, of it I, I, that I really liked back then, I go back to now and I'm like, I really is into it. Like I will, I will say, and I probably throw your hate at me, but like Alice in Chains. Oh, I, I go no back. I, I like them. Yeah. I well, I liked them a lot back then. I go back now. I'm like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe when you're a teen, you're more into like getting some downer music going. But yeah, I don't know. I, I you know what you know what it is for me. I um I just drove back from Chicago with my sister. We were visiting my parents. Coming back here. I, Molly and the kids didn't come just because of COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. Like our kids have been exposed, didn't want to like expose my parents. And on our way back, my sister was like, let's like time travel. Let's listen to, uh, we listened to a Counting Crows live album Yeah, from back then, Live Across the Wire, which I think mm. was broadcast on VH1 mm-hmm. in like 99 or 2000 or something. It was for the so, second album, right? Yeah. So maybe it was closer to 97 or 98. Cause I want to say, I want to say long December was like maybe 1997. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we listened to it and it was just like an epic jog down memory lane. Like it was just, it was so fun to listen to that mm-hmm. and crank it the whole way back to Indianapolis. And that was one of those things where it's like, I love it, but I don't, I don't think I need to hear it again for maybe another few months. You know, right. <laughs> like I, you know, and 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 I think that's my relationship with '90s music with everybody except Pearl Jam. I, I've found an adult, real adult love for Pearl Jam. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, that, no, the video. I this is just, I don't know. It's one of the so pinnacle ones. You, let me let me ask you this question. I found I found myself asking myself this, but could a band do anything in this style? You know, the style of you know, a trip to the moon mm-hmm. um, or the impossible voyage, you know, any of those like George Melies, you know, old films, could any band do that and automatically have a leg up on like artwork in a music video? I don't know. Well, just like, that's an easy way. Like you're saying, it was like that I mean, like, automatic step and it's easy. Kind of. It's a yeah. timeless choice. I'm not tearing down anything. The pumpkins did here. Cause I think that they did it. Right, mm-hmm. the entire way. It's a but it's a tribute. I, it's a nice right. cute tribute to it. It's not exactly right. like it. Um, they take a zeppelin to the moon. There's an under, underwater sequence with mermaids and stuff that You're wasn't right. in the other. Um, it's very much the best kind of knockoff, in a way, because it does its own thing. But I would agree. Let you know that, and it yeah, it's just it's adorable. Like I, you know, it's like if anything, like it, it's not trying to say we're better than it. It's trying to say we like this thing a lot. Like that's what it feels more to me rather than so, trying to like top it. So let me ask you this. What would Billy Corgan have to do to, I, I don't want to say return to form. I, and I certainly wouldn't want to say match this level of artistry, but what would he have to do to, to come back to being super i don't know super intriguing to you you're a fan so yeah. so like where like, like well, i mean i'm not like i'm a fan move? in that i was huge then i don't i haven't yeah. really kept up 
now. Like oh, I did pick up really? their Yeah, like I, I picked up like Oceania years ago and I was like, damn, this is really damn good. I saw their tour that came out uh when James Eha came back and I did I don't think I didn't pick up that album that they were touring on. They played one song off of it. Uh but you really uh, don't. You don't. He, I, I keep. I, I like. Mean, I follow them on social medias and stuff, and I yeah. listen to here things here and there and stuff. But like hardcore following them, I, I like. I so I'm. I don't want to call myself like super hardcore because like I to me what a hardcore fan is like they know like everything like every right. single no, detail. Okay. I'm Fair. not there. I'm yeah. not there. So I will call Fair. myself a fan. I used to be really hardcore back in my high school days, but, and I, I've kept a following with them while they were, you know, I've followed like, Zwan, you know, Zwan, I picked that one up and, um, yeah. the, the one Zeitgeist, is that what it was? That one, when it came back, I rang the bell. yeah, I that know. was, yeah, had, uh, had some good stuff, but like, I, I can't say like, I've only seen them in concert twice and once was in the nineties and once was three yeah. four years ago so i yeah. i can't say that yeah are, are are they touring right now are they doing like a 2020? yeah they played riot fest um i saw something they played riot fest this past weekend uh prior to us recording this and they busted out the song quiet from siamese dream for the first time in like uh since like 1997 or something like that and they hadn't played that song in concert uh, in that long here i'm just i'm looking up uh Looking them up right now. So they do have, oh, they do have an album out last year, mm-hmm. CYR. You heard yep. that? Yep. Nate did the, he was working, uh, Nate was working on the cover for that uh, when he was writing the song for this show. <laughs> Damn. So, yeah. Nate. Yeah. So. Really, really in there. Oh, no upcoming tour dates. Ah. <laughs> okay. So I think it's fair to say, in summary, I feel like, if anyone has listened this far, you, you need to go see the music video for tonight. <laughs> yes, indeed, for tonight. Tonight, uh, if you had, if you don't have it already infused into your brain from the '90s, or give it a give it a good old spin for old times' sake. But, well, if uh, you're like me, you didn't have cable. My parents right. never bought cable in the '90s. Like True. I, I only ever saw this stuff when I went to babysit, and so I, I feel like I didn't see this. Uh, music video until I was in college, like in '02 or something. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't. I didn't have my finger on the pulse of music videos back then, which is why revisiting it now was so easy to see with fresh eyes. All right. Well, uh, I'm glad you did, and that'll uh, do it for this week. Uh, the first week of year two, the last week of year one. Who knows? Uh, I just want to thank. Uh, at the top uh, here for the guests from this week Greg Bagoon, Audrey Lang, Justin Beam, Jamie Alvey for returning, and Prez. The big thanks for you coming Look, back and closing this thing out. I know you're always supposed to end by plugging your like product. And I, yep. of course, could mention the book I have coming out, out Bastards of the Revolution, coming out this fall. Of course, I could mention that I have a short story coming out in the anthology Nostalgia, but I'm not. What I really want to plug is tune in to the future episode of the Brandon Peters show where we dissect the classic Chris Farley swan song, Almost Heroes. Oh, previews. Nostradamus. 
I, I don't know when it's coming out. I don't know if we'll ever even record it, but a guy can dream. A guy can dream. You could have just jinxed it there, but oh, we you're right. Do you want the Almost Heroes episode? Let me know. Be vocal. Smash that vocal. like button. Smash that like and subscribe button if there you, you want to hear Almost Heroes. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at brand4kuhd, written work at whysoblue.com. Uh, thank you all for listening uh, for this past year, for the next year. Who knows how many years to come. Uh, the Brandon Peters Show will return. Until then, stay film positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetersshow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.